0: Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network host. Today, we go to Memphis to speak with Sean Coleman of Locked On Grizzlies about the red hot start for the Grizzlies as they look, to, uh, look forward to their matchup against the Lakers on Sunday. We talk to Walker Mail of Locked On Hornets about Charlotte's 3-0 start, including a big win over Brooklyn on Sunday. And lastly, we go to Cleveland to speak with Evan Damerel of Locked On Cavs about Evan Mobley's red hot beginning to his nba career it's all coming up the biggest stories with the local experts on locked on nba
1: you are locked on nba your daily nba podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Hi guys, and welcome back to Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, and I'm the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. We're almost through the first week of the NBA season. Lots of interesting things happening, so we're going to talk about them today. So let's get to it. All right, so let's bring him in now. The host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, Sean Coleman is here with me. Sean, The Memphis Grizzlies are off to a red-hot start. We're recording this just after they knock off the Clippers over in Staples Center. Of course, they've got a back-to-back. They're playing Sunday against the Lakers. They are absolutely rolling. Where do you want to start, John Morant?
2: Let's let's start with John Morant. The great thing is, one of the biggest reasons why they're rolling, Josh, there's so many different angles and players you can go with. That's why they're rolling.
0: Yeah, exactly. John Morant has really, uh, I don't know if, is dominated the right word. Like he's been at another level to where he was last season. He looks more like he was those first two games of last season before the ankle injury, but he's, he seems to have turned it up to, to a new level this year and he's really taken these games over. We were a bit cautious about the Grizzlies in the preseason uh, with some of the moves they made. They just consolidate and they're not pushing, but they look better than they did last season and I think Jar's a big part of that.
2: Yeah, and I think that you're getting uh, the spacing there a little bit more, especially with how they're utilizing Steven Adams, not necessarily saying that he's creating the spacing himself, obviously not with his shooting, you know, or so much with his passing, though his passing has been great, but the three-point shooting, the Grizzlies have made 14 threes and 15 threes in their first two games, so there are lanes for John Morant to get into and to get into consistently, his three-point shots coming along, but overall, you know, the craftiness that's there with John Morant, it seems like. Every 40 or so games that he plays into his career, there's a new level of just smarts, IQ craftiness when it comes to you know his ability, his resourcefulness as a scorer when he gets into the lane, and it, it just really, really helps. That helps subside a bit, the fact that his shot still is a work in progress, but overall just the, the consistency that he has of being able to hit shots no matter what he faces when he gets to the rim. It's at another level, as you mentioned.
0: Well, I guess it really helps when you've got a guy like Jaron Jackson out there who's just taken you know, long-range shots continually, Like, and you didn't have him all of last regular season, basically. And you know, not you know, Grizzlies fans might get upset at this, but when you're playing DeAnthony Mountain and Desmond Bain a ton of minutes, a lot of good things are going to happen. And that has sort of come to fruition because Dylan Brooks is out, and they've uh, minimized Kyle Anderson. Now, I know a lot of Grizz fans love Dylan Brooks, but to me, using Bane and Melton in this way has been the optimal strategy for this team for the last couple of years. We are seeing it forced into action through absence and it's really paying off. So it's not it's not just being carried by Jar Morant. Right? You're getting Adams doing his thing. Jackson's doing his thing. And then these guys who, honestly, there are plenty of people in the NBA world who will say, D'Anthony Melton, who's that? And there are other sections who will say, D'Anthony Melton's like a top 50 impact player in the NBA. Like this is the impact these guys are having. And we're starting to see, well, everyone else is starting to see this impact that a lot, a lot of Grizzlies fans, Sean, already knew.
2: Absolutely. And the thing is, is that you're right. It's the impact. Instead of being it being in short spurts or it being so infrequent due to injury in the case of Jaron Jackson Jr., an undefined, you know, featured role like D'Anthony Melton, these guys are getting those roles. Jaron Jackson Jr. and D'Anthony Melton are probably, in my opinion, the best two way impact players that you really have when you're on the court when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. When i and I mean by defensive and offensive, you know, obviously John Morant has the highest offensive ceiling, but the three point shooting aspect that both of them have shown jaron jackson jr two years ago De'Anthony melton last year now the grizzlies can get that shooting added to their defense they help out in so many ways but the biggest thing is is allowing for both of them to be in featured roles with their shooting and sustainable shooting there to support jaw stephen adams desmond Bain, and others it's a great combination to really work with when it comes to the grizzlies and jaw
0: what's been the biggest surprise to you so far for this team it's
2: the op- It's the offensive consistency. That really has been the biggest, biggest surprise for me in terms of the fact that they've been able to, in a in variety of different ways, show balance. In the first game, it was the ability to score in the paint early, come back with the threes, and then be able to go in and out when they needed to in the second half to hold off the Cavaliers. Against the Clippers, it was the balance that was there for the starters our bench did not contribute that much we had all of our starters i believe over 15 points in tonight's yep. game it was the ability to hold off the surges of a very good clippers team and get the win it's the offensive consistency and offensive balance that i thought it was going to take a little bit longer to get consistent going into the season but it certainly certainly has shined through early on
0: yeah you're right like steven adams uh the lowest scoring starter had 17 points he's the only starter who didn't take 10 field goal attempts he took nine Yeah, just a bunch of even contributions right across the board. Everyone hit multiple threes apart from Adams, those other four starters. So just having that ability right across the board with multiple players being able to do multiple different things and defend and shoot and space and pass. I, I think it's a really, really good mix that they've going uh, that got going on at the moment. And yeah, I've, I've been critical of Taylor Jenkins in the past, but has also done some really positive things. And I think the way that he's been flexible here, like last season, we saw someone like Xavier Tillman yeah, move into the starting lineup and play pretty well. But now they said, well, we've got different things we want to do and Tillman's not even playing. Like, we're going to play Kyle Anderson exclusively as a four. Brandon Clark's going to get back up centre minutes. So if this makes more sense for us, sorry, like, Xavier, you did a great job, but you need to sit down for a bit, and we're going to put other guys in, and we're going to go wing-heavy, we're going to try and space it out more, and it's working at a really high level.
2: Absolutely, and that's the thing that has allowed for the Grizzlies to be able to take advantage of their young guys being healthy. As you mentioned, Xavier Tillman was wonderful last year. He still is wonderful, obviously, and his time will come when he'll be needed because injuries, obviously, are a thing that every team's going to run into. But the one thing that's there this year, Josh, for the Grizzlies, with them having their health here, is they're, getting, they're able to play the guys with the highest ceiling out there, and that's what their focus is. That was what they were betting on coming into the season. If they were going to go all in on their young core, They wanted to see it through with the guys who are offering the highest ceiling. I think the Clark's and the Zayers and the Meltons obviously should get the benefit of the doubt over a Tillman. And obviously, that becomes you know even more um, you know it's going to be interesting to see how things work out when Dylan Brooks is back. But these guys who have a bit higher ceiling, you know, the consistency you get with Xavier Tillman, but I think there's a bit higher ceiling with guys like Zaire and Brandon Clark and and Melton, at least either now or in time. And that's why they're getting the nods ahead of Xavier Tillman. And it's exciting to see that all these guys are healthy and productive, finally, after a few seasons of not having that core altogether.
0: So what do you think happens when Dylan Brooks returns? Because you talk about your overall upside. I don't think Brooks necessarily has that high-level upside, and when he is in the game, he does tend to, at times, hijack the offense and take shots that are perhaps ill-advised defensively. He can be really aggressive out there, but yeah, finding that right role, will Jenkins be just like, no, we really, yeah, you are yeah player three in this starting lineup and you need to get in there alongside Jar and Jaron and, and be that starter? Or will he be like, well, things are rolling pretty well. Can you just play a 25-minute bench role? How do you see, Look, what's Brooks's, I guess, organizational equity to fit back in and, and, uh, and adjust to how things are going at the moment?
2: As as awesome as things were tonight, Josh, I, the, you did see the key aspect that was missing. That is there with Dylan Brooks. With Dylan Brooks being out, the Grizzlies didn't really have an answer to, in any way, shape, or form, stop Paul George. I know that you yeah. can't stop Paul George, but at least contain him. That's what Brooks will be asked to do once he comes back. Now you add that wing stop defender who can take on the other teams. Really good opposing score. That just adds another level to this defense that'll complement the free flowing offense. And I get you love what you're seeing with Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton, but I think the Grizzlies will be fine with welcoming Brooks back, with Jaron back in the lineup, have Brooks take maybe less shots, but more high percentage shots from three. That was a focus of his offseason. And then the great thing about it is, Josh, is that once he's back, you can mix and match you can go with Bain and Melton at times you can go with Brooks and Bain Brooks and Melton what have you at different times but I certainly do think that the ability for Brooks to take on that assignment of being a very good defender against the opposition's best score that's an added element this team really needs to take that next step so I think yes you'll still see him in a starter starting and featured role in that needed aspect of the game for the Grizzlies being their top uh, perimeter defender well
0: it's been awesome to see Memphis start off this way and of course everything grizzlies related sean you'll have it covered for us all over on the locked on grizzlies podcast thanks for coming on locked on nba with me always a pleasure josh have a great day sir And today's show is brought to you by Price Picks. Have you heard about Price Picks? Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I know you are going to love this. Price Pick has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Price Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all of the superstar players as well as the bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Price Pick offers any prop you can imagine. Blocks, points, assists, threes, rebounds, whatever it is. Prize Picks has it covered for you. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will also receive a 100% instant match deposit up to $100. You pick 2 to 5 players, you get their over/unders on their props, combine them together and you can win up to 10 times your entry. And you can also do it across sports. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, combine them all, whatever you need on Prize Picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less and Prize Picks offers safe and fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePicks is daily fantasy made easy. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device to watch your favorite sports. You've got another one to watch your favorite shows. You've got highlights to watch on your phone and you've got someone else's login to watch the other good stuff. It's all just too much. There's too much stuff going on. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love together in one place without the hassle. A great way to finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite shows, sports, and TV shows, or and movies, in fact, all together in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. All right, let's bring him in now. The host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, Walker Mail, here, straight after the Hornets just knocked off the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know where we want to start here, Walker. Let's start with Miles Bridges, who is turning in an early season uh, resume, I guess, for the most improved player. He's been awesome. And uh, this Hornets team, just uh, on the back of what Bridges did, uh, just took it to the Nets. At 32 points for Miles Bridges
1: against the Nets, and this fresh off of his other 30-point performance that he just had on Friday against Cleveland. And Miles Bridges is a guy, October 18th, we were all kind of figuring out if Mitch Kupchak would extend that contract deal to... Uh, or extend a different kind of contract extension to Miles Bridges right off the rookie scale deal that he had, and nothing got agreed to. It was only McHale Bridges. It was only a Jaron Jackson, but Miles Bridges, one of the guys that we were all trying to figure out if that would happen, and it turns out the Hornets and Miles Bridges decided to let it play out this season, but man, I mean, he's playing extremely well to the point where maybe Mitch Kupchak, even though just the three, a couple of games into the season, uh, Mitch Kupchak has to be thinking, hey, if, if he continues to play like this, then it then it's going to have a lot of money coming towards him. Um, I mean, he's been fantastic. And against the Indiana Pacers, you know, he did a lot of little things. He got the team sparked in the third quarter to make that big time comeback. But this time, I mean, he was uh, one of the bigger reasons why they were able to beat the Cavs and certainly the Brooklyn Nets.
0: Yeah, look, he's been huge. I think this level of efficiency probably can't keep up for him, but he has been like really leading this team. Like, last year, he came off the bench behind PJ Washington, and Borrego made that change to put Bridges in as the starter, Washington off the bench, playing that backup center role behind uh, Mason Plumley. Yeah, one of the other guys, Mason Plumley, is one of the players they brought in this offseason. But before we get to, I guess, the the big name, one of the players they brought in this offseason was Ish Smith, who yeah. t- took over. In the fourth quarter of that game against Brooklyn, he has been awesome. Lamelo Ball played under thirty minutes against Brooklyn because they didn't need him out there. Because Ish Smith was the honestly the best player on the floor for a stretch of period in that um, in that fourth quarter. How important has it been to have someone like that? Now, not this is not to sh- to shade Devontae Graham, but to have this capable point guard who's playing in a very sort of similar fast paced style as the rest of the team is is doing there's not really hasn't really been any sort of drop off with him out there not that you can expect that to continue for 82 games but it's been a remarkable surprise i guess Well, it's been the scoring output that's been the
1: most remarkable surprise, right? I mean, it's him against Indiana going 7-14. of And then he follows up that with a Cavs performance where he only scored two points. You would expect, okay, we'll get something in between. But nope, here he comes in against Brooklyn. The fourth quarter, he goes off and goes 7-15, of even hit a three-pointer, which is not Ish's game. And he got guys involved, even allowed Kelly Oubre to have that assist um in order to you know hit with like 50 seconds left to go just added one for good measure he's been phenomenal and when they brought him in i thought it was a good pickup i thought it was nice didn't really think much of it it's not something we spent a lot of time on lockdown hornets talking about you know because ishmith was going to come in and and be the veteran point guard that could run the second unit and he's going to be able to facilitate the offense well play good defense and that was about it um, but man, this guy has been just great for the Charlotte Hornets team, and he really wanted to be here. Of course, he's a local guy, went to Wake Forest. Actually, is just 20 minutes down the road from the Spectrum Center, where he's from, where he played his high school ball, and he's playing like he's uh, like he's just as productive as he was back in the days when he was playing basketball here in high school. But he's been fantastic and a big reason why the Hornets are 3-0.
0: Let's go to LaMelo Ball now because, again, his minutes have been low, do I don't think he's played over 30 minutes in any game yet. Um, of course, he you know, drew the headlines opening night, turning up in his yeah, Batman villain outfit. But, That's right. <laughs> uh, the, the minutes have been low, but he's still been incredibly uh, efficient, incredibly productive during that time. Um, you know, people might look at the, the raw numbers or, or look at the playing time and go, oh, is he, what's happening with LaMelo? Is he hurt? Is he not taking a step forward? But to me, he's taking a gigantic step forward. And he, you just feel, I don't know what the right word is, you just feel like he's just going to do what needs to be done every game without any sort of inconsistency, which we did see at times last season yeah i mean and even in
1: this game you saw the shooting finally take a step down one of six from three-point land but he went eight of 18 from the field where he yeah. kind of had struggled inside the three-point arc against the indiana pacers to, to some degree he was still fantastic in that one he was awesome going for 30 points but yeah i, I know what you're saying like you you kind of wonder okay is he going to continue on the escalator to superstardom sometimes you know progress isn't linear right you have yeah. all these dips and these valleys these mountains whatever But LaMelo, from game one, immediately stepping onto the court against Indiana, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he's going to take his game to another level immediately this season. And that's what he's done. And James Borrego actually answered that question about the lack of minutes that he played against Indiana. We didn't know that would be a trend, but... He played under 30 minutes. He was asked about that and said, yeah, we could have given LaMelo a couple more minutes um, if we needed to. Just felt right to take him out at that time. But there was no reason for that. It was just um, or no reason just to try to salvage LaMelo, right? We could have given him more minutes, but we just took him off of the bench. Ish was playing really well. And so that's why they decided to do it. But, you know, I I think it's kind of nice too, right? Like if you don't have to rely on LaMelo, the guy that is unquestionably your potential superstar down the line probably is already one right now. And Ish Smith can come in and really help you out. Cody Martin was a lot better this game. He's really improved this year. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's fantastic to see. You lose Malik Monk and Devontae Graham. was really worried about the backcourt depth, but to have Ish and Cody Martin playing as well, finishing these games out, even with Lamelo on the bench, and they win against Brooklyn, yeah, it's a phenomenal
0: feeling. One last thing. The Hornets yeah, uh, playing at this level. Two is not there. Like, he's missed right. two of the three games, and he played, like, what, 24 minutes in the second game with that ankle problem. So it's not like they don't have uh, reinforcements coming back into this team that can strengthen them. Like, they're not playing at a healthy level. Like, they're, I think he was their leading scorer last season. He's going to be able to slot back into that lineup. So what's the latest update on uh, on Rozier and that ankle?
1: Yeah, you know, he had this problem in the preseason, and they decided to hold him out the last couple of preseason games. We thought he was actually going to play against Indiana. He was designated as probable, and then during shoot-around, questionable, finally just taken out, goes back against Cleveland. You saw him play. You mentioned it. Not that impactful at all. If you look at his stat line, actually only goes one of five from the field, um, misses both three-pointers that he took, and then he's out for this one. I think – you know, James Borrego mentioned it after Indiana that he's close and I guess he was close enough to play against Cleveland but right now it just seems like they brought him back maybe a little too soon maybe maybe they think he just needs a little more time to rest and honestly if you can get away with it I, I didn't think you could but if Ish and Cody are going to play like this and uh and and, and LaMelo of course is going to be able to be a superstar then yeah it, it maybe you just be really cautious with them not try to rush him back and We'll see if the Hornets can continue their undefeated ways, just how long they can do that.
0: It's going to be really interesting to watch yeah, obviously, off to this super hot start. Yeah, pushing towards the playoff this year, uh, playoffs this season. Walker, you'll have it covered for us all over on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. I always enjoy it, man. Thanks for having me. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Surely, by now you know what your favorite flavor of Bilt Bar is. Is it orange, strawberry? Raspberry, salted caramel, cookies and cream, coconut. They're great flavors right across the board for Built Bar. But they're not just delicious. They're also good for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs per bar. You can also get these bars at 15% off now by heading to built.com and using our promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off Built Bars, which are the best tasting protein bar ever. You want to fix your own car, right? You go into your local chain auto parts store, you got to line up at the counter, you got to talk to the guy there, he's going to have to order it in and he's going to charge you more money for it. Why bother with that? Go straight to rockauto.com and save time and money. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers online for the last 20 years. The prices are always reliably low at Rock Auto. For example, you can get your brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet at a fraction of the price. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box? So that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, so let's bring him in now. The host of the Locked On Cavs podcast is here with me. It is Evan Damerill. Evan, the Cavs had picked three in the NBA draft. Pretty good spot to be. Some people maybe were questioning their decision to take Evan Mobley. He's been unbelievable. And I would say he is at this point, the, the uh, you know, based on what we've seen, he is the favorite for rookie of the year after these first few games.
3: Yeah. I think that's a pretty safe assumption to make. Granted, we're only a handful of games into the season and Cade Cunningham hasn't played yet for the Pistons. But like you've said, Evan Mobley has been nothing short of, of, of incredible for the Cavs and, Um, I know maybe nationally people disagreed with taking him if you were Cleveland because they had Jared Allen and then eventually they added Lowry Markton and then have Kevin Love in the fold as well. But I'm firmly of the belief there's a reason why you're picking that high. And if Evan Mobley is the best player available, you never say no to talent and you just roll with it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Look, I would have picked him a pick number two. I was pretty high on him coming into the draft. So for the Cabs to get him to fall there, like you don't base your decisions around having Jarrett Allen or potentially moving for Larry Mark and later on. He's been awesome. Yeah, and when I say he's the favorite rookie of the year, based on what's happened, of course, as you said, Cade yeah. hasn't played and lots of stuff can happen. But he has. Maybe I should have phrased it this way, saying that he has been the most impressive rookie to date by I'd say a pretty considerable margin. There are some other you know, impressive performances. Chris Duarte in Indiana is one of those. But Mobley's been awesome. What's been most impressive to you? Because we knew that he. Come out and be pretty good defensively. We worried, I guess, a little bit about his his frame and maybe playing at the four. Has it been defensively? Have you been more impressed or surprised with him offensively, or what's
3: stood out to you with Mobley? God, how much time do I have here? So much has impressed me so far with him. um Defensively alone, JB Bickerstaff had an awesome quote. I, I wasn't able to make it to media because of some technical issues. So I had a friend who works at a radio local radio station asked just simply why did the Cavs switch to a 3-2 zone to kind of mock things up against Atlanta? And he said he views Evan Mobley kind of as a KG in a flip Saunders zone-style defense in this situation. Like, that's high praise for a rookie, and you've just been hearing high praise about him left and right. But it's just – Yes, he puts up impressive box score statistics. He is everything you expect in terms of blocking shots and altering things, and then also steals and everything else. But it's just the little things as well. Like Trey Young, he is able to switch on Trey Young confidently, or John Moran, he was able to switch on John Moran confidently and just provide frustration to alter shots. um The fact that the Cavs are kind of asking him to defend ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives on a night to night basis already is a pretty tough ass to begin with. I think it's going to be even tougher when they play the Lakers next week and they have to face LeBron, Anthony Davis, you know, just not not really a favorable task for any rookie. But And just offensively as well, it's the passing. It's the playmaking. It's the fact that he's looking to make the quick reads and everything else to just kind of – adjust things for the Cavs, and just to kind of make the, the extra pass, which is just something in the, that you didn't expect. Like it's something they talked about a, you know, about him coming out at Southern Cal because they didn't have a true point guard. So he more or less was the offensive hub for them. But I you thought maybe it's just a little overblown just given the situation, but he really has been a delight offensively just because of the playmaking that he provides. And once he becomes more comfortable as a shooter, I think it's just that's going to be the next step in his game.
0: I think that's key as well, is the passing. Because this Cavs team is not, you yeah, know, they're not overloaded with good passes, yeah. Colin Sexton's not the greatest passer. Market and can't pass. Um, Jared Allen, not a good passer. Yeah, Darius Garland's pretty good. Rubio's pretty good. But they didn't have that, you know, well, we just don't need the ball in Mobley's hands because everyone else can do that because they didn't. So him fitting in there, I think, has is, is worked pretty well for them so far. He's been super impressive on both ends of the court. Let's hope he can continue it. I've been really impressed with Bickerstaff saying, well, man, is this good? Let's just play him. Like, we don't need to play him 29 yep. minutes. Not. Like, play him. 35, 38, let's go. Let's see what we can get here. And let's see how he develops and, like you know." By the time we hit Christmas, he could be this team's best player very, very easily. Like, that's that's the trajectory that he's on at the moment. But it's not just all about Evan Mobley. There's been some surprises, you can say good or bad, with Cleveland so far. One of the big surprises, I don't know how you view it, Evan, but has been starting Larry Markkinen at the three over last year's top five pick, Isaac Okoro. Now, Markkinen is a guy that struggles defensively no matter where he plays. I think he's out of position at the three. I guess get, having his shooting in there versus Okoro's non-shooting is important for spacing. But how have you seen that decision to go with Mark and at the three, go with the three seven-footers basically across the three, four, five position?
3: How has that looked so far? And do you think it's something that they will persist with? Off the top, yes. I think it's something they're going to persist with. J.B. Bickerstaff made it clear and the, but prior to their game against Charlotte that he doesn't have enough tangible data or evidence to say that this is or isn't working or it's really being detrimental to the team. Uh and I guess if you want to pull advanced stats, you could say that yeah, it's been okay. But if you it just based on based on a basic eye test, it, it hasn't been ideal because Larry Markman isn't a, a small forward, and you're watching Desmond Bain or John Morant or Trey Young or. The bevy of wings in Atlanta or even Miles Bridges in Charlotte take advantage of the fact that Laurie Markkinen isn't a traditional three. And I think defensively, there's some issues there. rebounding is a huge concern. I think just as a whole, this trio is getting out rebounded and getting worked on the glass on a night to night basis, which is really discouraging when you have three seven footers on the floor. I understand the thought process. If you want to look at basketball in a positionless view in a positionless lens, perhaps, and you don't really want to say, OK, let's pencil in a small forward, a power forward in the center. And the J.B. that believes these are our three best players to put in these positions, sure. I think, like you said, the spacing that marketing provides, you have to respect some of the gravity he does possess. And I think that helps Evan Mopley, who, like we were just talking about, is on the trajectory to be the best player for the Cavs maybe by Christmas time this year. And I think if you have that theoretical spacing next to him, it allows Mobley's life to be easier offensively. So I personally disagree with it. If the Cavs are hell-bent and determined, I think they need to really shake things up a little bit, I think. Long term, this is a fun offensive wrinkle, kind of like when they deployed Larry Nance Jr., Kevin Love, and either Andre Drummond or or Jared Allen together at the same time. It's a fun offensive wrinkle. I think the Cavs can kind of just deploy this at random, maybe against certain teams depending on the matchups on a night to night basis. But like I said, the uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are on the docket, and I think Isaac Okoro makes a hell of a lot more sense starting at the three and defending LeBron James instead of putting Larry Mark in and maybe watching him just kind of get eradicated by him or even Westbrook as cooked as Westbrook is.
0: What do we make, last thing, Evan, of Colin Sexton? It hasn't been a great start to the season for him. There's been games where... Well, especially the last game where he played limited minutes in that one, even without Darius Garland in the lineup. We know that they failed to get a contract extension done in the offseason. And there's been whispers for years, it feels like, oh, Sexton's best role is at a sixth man. Maybe they want to move on from him. But you, know, you tie all this in, those whispers, the lack of contract extension, the... I don't know if subpar play to start the year is the right word, but the fact that he's not like logging 35 a night like he would have done every other year. Is there anything to that or how have you, maybe
3: you're just completely viewing this differently to me. How are you viewing the start of the season for Colin Sexton? I wouldn't be overly concerned because their last game against Atlanta, he was dealing with foul trouble. He had five fouls, I believe, heading into the fourth quarter and JB Vickerstaff. Well, the lineup that had the hottest hands, which was Ricky Rubio, Isaac Okoro, Markanen, and sometimes Kevin Love, then Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, and they were able to – he just rode with who was hot at that time, and they were able to get a win over the Hawks and a much-needed win for them as well. But uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I wrote about this at my Facebook bulletin page right down you Euclid, like Colin averaged about 76 to 78 touches per game last year and he's down to 56 now so clearly he's not a huge priority in the offense but he's been efficient at times um, prior to Him going, I think 11 of 21 against Charlotte, he was pretty efficient leading up to that and kind of leading the Cavs in scoring. Um, He's trying to get his teammates involved, but it's just the shots aren't falling at times. I think the lack of having a point guard on a consistent basis without, because like you said, Darius Garland's been hurt, so I think the lack of a true point guard for all 48 minutes on the floor for Cleveland is hurting them a little bit, maybe asking Colin to do a little bit more than it's expected of him hurts. Um, the, the, the lack of a contract extension certainly was a surprise. I do wonder maybe this is him betting on himself to say, okay, I don't think I'm worth I, – I, it was reported and what my co-host Chris Manning and I have heard is about $20 million a year annually for him from Cleveland, and he said I'm worth more than that, so he's going to bet on himself this offseason. So I think it's a risky proposition. I worry because some of our listeners get upset because I think he's going to – not Dennis. He's not like Dennis Schroeder, but he could end up in a situation where he does not even get close to what he was offered with Cleveland this off this prior off season. So you don't want to see that happen to him at all because he is a fun player. He is extremely talented and. It's just an interesting thing to kind of watch the instrument development for sure because he's clearly not the main focus. If you want to look at it, it's obviously the two point guards Ruby on Garland and then it's Mobley and then him and then it's more Mark and, and Allen like leading the rear right behind him. So Sexton is kind of being not phased out, I want to say, but less of a priority going forward. Yeah, if he didn't accept twenty
0: million dollars, he actually thinks he's worth more. I've, uh, I reckon he might be. Uh, I reckon he might find himself, as you said, worth uh, worth less as we head into next off season. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a substantially smaller contract than that in the off season. But there's plenty to play out, and Evan, you'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Cavs with Chris throughout the season. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's episode. Don't forget. You can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. We're here on YouTube as well. So go and give us a thumbs up, subscribe, leave comments, all that stuff. You can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore And of course, over on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.